0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Adult Improver series of Perpetual Chess. This, of course, is where we take a break from talking to some big shot author, grandmaster who won 12 titles and could play blindfold from the time they were four, and we talk an accomplished amateur. Um, In this case, I will be introducing our guests momentarily. First, wanted to mention a couple things. Number one, as always, I wanted to thank uh, Perpetual Chess Patreon supporters. They help keep the podcast going. Uh, We are basically an independent entity here, so it helps a lot when people are able to support the pod. Recent Patreon subs include Blundergoat, awesome name, Anthony Burchell, Jim Duncan, Sartreus, Martin, Zach Schuster, And I believe I already shouted out John Measure last time. So thanks to you guys for supporting the pod. Of course, if you are a Patreon member, you can attend Zoom lectures. We have had a couple good ones recently from uh, Christoph Selecki going over openings. Um, I did one talking about my book, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, You can also submit questions for our guests. We've got a few good questions for today's guests. Also wanted to give a shout out to our presenting chess education sponsors, Chessable.com, New Courses. Coming fast and furious, including Friend of the Pod, John Kabadai's My Opponent's Move, Identifying Threats, James Canty's The Meanest Job of a London. There's a new course on the modern Bernoni if you're into such things. So just be sure to check out Chessable. And if you sign up for the lifetime membership, uh, use the link in the description if you are able to. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest. But our our guest, this is an adult improver interview, but I think it's as much about life improvement as chess improvement. Uh, we'll be discussing both, but this gentleman emailed me back in 2022. By the way, I should mention there is a form if you're interested in being featured as an Adult Improver guest, and as this shows, I do eventually get back to some people. Sometimes it takes me a while, but I've been excited to hear his story all along. Um, so we'll let him tell his story. He joins us from his home in Nottingham, England, and I would just, without further ado, like to welcome Julio Calcina to the pod. Welcome, Julio.
1: Thank you, Ben. It's amazing and a pleasure to be here on the podcast. Amazing,
0: yeah, I'm super excited, so Julio, do you remember what you wrote to me back in two thousand twenty two
1: Yeah, I vaguely remember certain points um the one that comes up to my head like to start off with is how we all got how we got into chess, or the question that you ask, how do you get into chess and um very common. My dad taught me when I was a kid. Uh, it's the same that I've like same story that I've heard for a lot of um, guests that you've had on the podcast when you've asked them how did you start playing chess. It's usually the dads that teach them how to play chess, and in my case, it certainly is the exact same. Um, so my dad taught me chess because we used to go on long, long drives, very long drives, going, driving from country to country. So I lived in Africa at the time and i was very impatient as a child sitting in a car for so many hours so um he decided to teach me chess we got a little pocket-sized chess board that he would um set up whilst he was driving i would be um making the moves and yeah he taught me how to play chess very long time ago i must have been about
0: five or six roughly that age and you're 34 years of age now. So, Julio, 34. when your dad would play you, did you was he playing blindfold, basically? How did he see the board while he was driving?
1: So he would just glimpse down and have a look at the quick glimpse and just make his moves from there. Um, but I don't remember me ever beating him. And I don't remember losing either. I just remember he taught me how to play chess. Uh, I don't really have much memory of how the games went or if there was any opening discussions and...
0: And when did it get, like, how did chess, what role did it play in your life as the years went on, Julio?
1: So as the years went on from when I learned how to play chess, it was just mainly for for traveling purposes, just to keep me occupied, keep me busy. But I totally forgot about chess from the age of five, six years old. I totally forgot about chess. I never played chess in school. Um, And I picked it back up. When I was about nineteen years old, nineteen twenty roughly, and for some reason, I just found a chessboard and I just knew how the pieces moved i was like this is this is strange that I know how all the pieces move, and also to know that it's a game of um like it's an intellectual game like it's a smart man's game, as people like to like to say." and yeah I just remembered how the pieces move so I thought you know this might be a sign so let me just pick it up let me just play some chess and uh, I had an iPhone at the time so I just typed in chess in my uh, app store and chess.com came up (laughs) and then it's been history since then I just started playing correspondence games and I would stay up late late nights just um, analysing games before I made a move and Yeah, I only used to play correspondence games, and I started off, my rating was around 1,200. I've never gone below 1,200. So that was a a good benchmark to start from and work my way up from there. So, So for the first maybe two years or so, I was just playing correspondence chess. And unlucky for my partners at the time, well, partners, partner at the time, um... They didn't like me playing chess because it, I became so obsessive with the game, and yeah, I have actually lost relationships over the game over the years. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've lost relationships. I'm sure, over you're not chess. the only.
0: You're not the only one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So in general, chess has helped me a lot um, in terms of life and keeping me out of trouble. And I, I owe a lot to the game. I owe a lot to the community of chess and all I could do in that sort of sense is just to give back and give back in, in terms of like, what helped me with chess is what I can give back to other people that may need that, that sort of help and guidance and um, be a part of a, a community, get to you know experience a sense of belonging, acceptance from the chess community. So that's what it's given me. It's given me a sense of purpose, a sense of direction. And um, that's without all the shenanigans that have actually happened during my chess journey, which, you know, everybody's got stories to tell when they go tournaments. So it's been, it's, it's served me so well. I, I owe so much to chess.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to to, to diving more into uh, what you've learned from it and the pitfalls along the way, uh, just to, to provide a few more biographical details for listeners. So, You didn't mention, but you did in your email to me. You got your rating up to uh, 2,000 daily. So um, chess improvement is not necessarily the primary focus of this interview, but still it's commendable that you've been grinding all these years. Like you mentioned, like something like 15 years on uh, chess.com daily games and uh, slow and steady progress is to be uh, commended. I also should have mentioned in the intro, you've got some other interests. You're into um, MMA, both as a practitioner and an advisor, and you started a business uh, working with um, those with mental health challenges and learning disabilities. And you mentioned in your email to me that that chess has sort of framed all of these other interests as well. So um, we'll be diving deeper as time goes on, Julio, but I'd love to hear sort of how chess fits in with what's otherwise a, a pretty busy life, as far as I can tell.
1: Yeah. So, in terms of um, business-wise and my career-wise, um, yeah, the chess improvement. I've I've always strived to 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 improve myself as an individual, and chess has actually been a great tool for me to use to be able to self-reflect on my own actions and how I hold myself, and um, <clears throat> chess has actually taught me has has actually brought into awareness things about myself like in terms of i know a lot of people may experience this because i have discussed with a few people a lot of people should i say about rating about um your approach to chess and as, as soon as you find yourself climbing the ladder like i found myself climbing the chess ladder when i got to like 1400 1500 i then became what I noticed about myself was that I became scared of going back to play games because I didn't want to lose that rating. And I realized right. this is an internal problem issue with myself. And it's based on attachment. And, um, I needed to let go of that attachment, um, being attached to a rating, which will hinder, which could hinder my pro my progress. If I, if I decided like, Oh, I'm scared of losing going under 4- uh 1500 because I've made it this far. I'm so scared of losing my rate. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a thing of fear and attachment. So chess has helped me highlight these aspects of myself regarding attachment and fear. And how do I go about, about overcoming these things? And I used to find that um, when I'm playing a correspondence game and I get it, get into a bit of a a sticky position where like I don't see any way out. I don't see any hope. I know that I'm, I feel like I'm going to lose the game and then I, decide, I decided to start delaying making a move and I'll probably make a move on maybe if I've got 10 minutes left and then I, find, I found that doing that is like I was running away from my problems and my game on the, on the chessboard was mirroring what my daily life was so if I was running away from a problem on the chessboard, in reality, in my day-to-day life, I used to run away from my problems. Like I'll give an example: if I owed, if I owed somebody some money, for example, twenty pounds, I would actually avoid seeing that person. But ultimately, the problem never goes away. You still have to face it eventually. So I could see the 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 um, you know, the similar situations in my day-to-day life and on the chessboard. It was a mirror reflection of 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 my being. So I decided to overcome overcome this little obstacle, this barrier that I've created in my head and real and I realized no matter what problems you have that you you have to face, you have to face it head on and there's there's no point delaying delaying it because you're still going to have to face it. So I've learned to face my problems head on straight away in the moment uh, regardless of the of the outcome and being attached to an outcome like win or a loss, um, it can be detrimental if you don't know how to handle. Um, if you don't know how to handle the loss or the win, so like the losses, the losses just make make you scared and just make you don't want to come back or analyze the game. But there's a lot of um, gold to be. You know, there's a lot of great lessons to be learned from from your losses. That's why they say, you know, you learn you learn the most from your losses compared to your wins. So, yeah, I again, I owe a lot to chess. I'll keep saying that, and I just, I love the so game. You, so
0: you paid back the 20 pounds?
1: Oh, yeah, I did long time ago, <laughs> a long time ago. All
0: right. Glad to hear it. And, and this is something where well, you discussed where we become sort of um, – overly focused on our ratings and, you know, kind of tie it to our self-worth. I mean, I think that that happens no matter what your chess experience level. So do you, you do Julio, in addition to it helping you outside of chess, do you feel like you've gotten better at that over the years, chess-wise?
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, I've gotten so much better at it, paying so much attention to detail and not to be, not to get too attached and hung up on, on the outcome.
0: Is there anything you could advise for anyone else who struggles with that? Like you, you mentioned tackling the problem head on, but like, how do you do that?
1: There is no other way to tackle your problems apart from just facing it. You just rise up to the challenge and see what can be done. Look for solutions rather than um, staying worrying about the problem and being in a negative mindset. If something is negative, it's easily you can easily get drawn into that negative. Um you know, it's just like a downward spiral basically of negative yeah. a chain of negative thoughts. But if you can be proactive about about it, you could find solutions and change your mindset and look for the lessons in your losses or in your challenges rather than complaining because complaining doesn't fix anything.
0: Gotcha, yeah, and so you have made great progress over the years. like what's been your approach to your slow and steady? improvement um like what's your preferred type of chess resource or have you just kind of figured it out as you've gone
1: yeah so i kind of figured it out as i went along and uh, getting advice um from other players but what's helped me to actually improve was going in with an open mind um and what i mean by that is open to learn open to criticism open to to getting told that what you're doing is not great. So having an open mind, which allows room for improvement compared to being stuck in, in your biased ways or sticking with one opening, which you know won't do you great in the long run. So having an open mindset has, has helped me to, to progress in the field and learning from other players themselves. Uh, so in terms of improvement, um, when I started off playing chess, I just, I just loved playing chess, but I didn't understand any strategies and stuff. And there's a YouTube channel that actually helped me uh, improve my chess. So he's called the Backyard Chess Professor. Huh. I own, I own so much because I used to, you know, I love the way he annotates his games and just discusses about chess. So for about one whole year straight, I was just watching videos on the backyard chess professor um so he'd be analyzing um games that grandmasters have played um you're going through jeremy silman's uh end game books so i have got a lot of chess books but in terms of reading the books myself i find it difficult so i i, I ended up finding i managed to find out my learning style and what my preferred learning style is and that's uh visual and and audible uh, or auditory um so i, I preferred watching videos because i learned better through watching videos and it was a good thing that the backyard chess professor was covering the jeremy silman's endgame endgame book on his on his channel because i've actually got the book and i did struggle to read it right um yeah, so so he, he helped. Although it's me on chessable
0: something. now too. So you can uh you can get it with video um if if need be. But I gotta check out the Backyard Chess Professor. It's funny, Julio. Like obviously so many content creators books get recommended here and you managed to find one I have not heard of. So <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I've never actually heard that being talked in your podcast. Um yeah, I never heard it uh heard that heard his name. Excuse me, I'm missing
0: up messing up my words. Mm-hmm. Um so do you after you play a game so correct me if i'm wrong i see you play some bullet here and there probably when you're on the go yeah. um but a lot of daily chess um you also mentioned some people in your community helping out so like uh what role does chess play for you locally like how much are you doing IRL as opposed to um on on your on your computer and your phone
1: ooh so what i'm doing in the chess community I haven't started giving back or putting any platforms on for, for people to really express their their characters with chess, but I've actually played in a lot of tournaments. I've played in a lot for a lot of clubs. Um, so the first year when I when I really took chess seriously and moved away from chess.com, um I joined a local chess club and they used to play league games like during the week and for the first year of playing chess over the board I was at a tournament every single weekend from Friday to Sunday and then during the week I'd be playing my league games so for the first year of competing chess I must have racked up over 500 games over the board yeah Um, so that was actually before I went to prison i went to prison in 20 2018 um so between 2012 and 2017 i was i was competing in in, in a lot of league uh chess club league games and and tournaments over the board tournaments like three day long tournaments
0: and do you mind saying uh what what led you you can be as vague or specific as you want but what set of choices uh made you end up in prison
1: okay so everything was motivated by money um the desire to have flashy things and stuff like that so i decided to you know make my money illegally uh without harming anyone although what i was selling probably was harming people but you know we live and we learn. Right. I did get I did get caught so I was growing lots of cannabis and selling lots of it. Um so I ended up going to prison for a few years because of that.
0: Just, just cannabis or
1: Yeah, so cannabis, cocaine, anything I could get my hand my hands on like I could and I could sell it, I would get my hands on it and sell it.
0: Okay. So possibly when you were saying like earlier how chess is like a prism um not a prison a prism where like what you were saying about status and chess and wanting status in the world it sounds like there's maybe a connection there and that like you said you were trying to you know raise your financial status so is um am i venturing too far with that comparison
1: no um yes yeah, status i i i am we all try and make make money right but um I don't I wouldn't I don't think I could make money through chess. Well, there is a, there is lots of pol- possibilities to make money through chess. But no, I think that would take away the love I have for the game if I, if I was to involve finances um with chess. But in terms of looking for finances elsewhere, I've been very business orientated um I guess I, I got the business skills from my drug dealing days, which now right. I, I can use now, which I have used in in the legal world of business, and uh, yeah. ended, ended up starting um with my ex partner um a healthcare a support living health health service, uh, and um, yeah. I never stayed with that business for too long I ended up leaving but in terms of status how how chess can help with that is it helps me with paying like attention to detail being able to analyze and evaluate things is a skill that you know I don't I don't think I could have learned that skill from anywhere else but chess has taught me I've learned that through playing chess is having paying attention close attention to detail and having solid analysis and evaluation based on the information and based on my knowledge at the time as well
0: that's great and julio um while you were once you were, unfortunately were in prison um how long how long did you end up spending there
1: i spent about 3 years in prison
0: We'll be right back with more chess and life wisdom from Julio Calcina. And we are back. Did you get to play chess in prison?
1: I did get to play a lot of chess in prison. Yeah, I actually, I actually, because I I had a feeling that I I wasn't, I was going to get sent to prison. So I I packed, I packed all my chess books. I I took lots of chess boards as well with me. So they let me go in with them. So I had a, a nice little library and good chess content, and I played a lot of chess in in, in jail. So much chess. Um, it's it's so crazy. I actually taught one of my friends to play chess whilst he was in there, and he's come out and he's you know he's still playing it, and he's actually pretty decent. He's got to he's got to about fifteen hundred rating, and he's never read any books. He's just going on the knowledge that I've you know that I've passed on to him. Um, I used to play chess, believe it or not. Uh, I had a phone when I was in prison. And you're not allowed to have phones. And But I managed to have a phone, so that's what kept me busy, especially at night time when they, when they locked the doors. I'd, be, I'd go on my <sighs> phone. I'd actually be playing correspondence chess with people on the outside because I've got a oh, wow. with the annotations. I, I, my ex-partner as well, she played chess. In fact, yeah, she played chess quite a lot. Uh, she took it seriously because I, I played chess as well. So I used to send her text messages of like the moves that I'm making and she'll send me a response back. So oh, this is absolutely crazy because it's it got me so angry inside because my ex-partner at the time, she's rated less than a thousand. And at the time when I went into prison, I was about 1,700. And she was absolutely... Like schooling me on that board. Like it got to a point where I looked at the board like every move that I could possibly make is just suicide. I got so angry, I said to her, You're cheating. She's like, No, 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 I'm not cheating. And I, I swore blind to myself. I said, if she doesn't admit that she's cheated, I'm never gonna speak to her again. I don't care, she can go to hell for all I care. Anyway, she admitted that she cheated. I was like, I I knew it. I just knew it. Like you, c- you cannot get me in such a position where every single move that I make is suicide. Like you're not even eleven. You're not even one thousand. Come on, I'm seventeen hundred, <laughs> and you, and you're just wiping the floor off me. Like no, that's not right. Like it got me so worked up. I felt so much anger inside. But then again, chess. T- again, if I, it helped me look within myself, so that anger that I felt. It's a projection of something that's not nice. So I took it upon myself to really work on my anger issues because before I went into prison, I used to be re- really angry. So I took it upon myself to work on on, on my anger issues and, and not giving in to my emotions all the time. And it, it certainly helped. It helped so much. I actually started writing a journal when I was in prison. The journal was just a self-help book for myself just to help me on a day-to-day basis but I wrote over a thousand pages which I know I, it, I can publish it thanks to you again Ben the book that you um, <laughs> that you recommended the Man's Search for Meaning I've, I've listened to ha- I've I got an Audible so I've listened to half of it already and thank you so much oh, that wow. is actually amazing the comparisons from from him and my life when he, obviously there's huge difference because he was in Auschwitz but He wrote a journal And I was like Oh I've done the same I've actually wrote a journal So Just to try and Better myself And and find You know To find the positives In 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 negative situations So So yeah I, I actually did that And thank you for that Recommendation for the book
0: Awesome. Are right. a couple of things to follow up on. So number 1 for for listeners, Julio and I chatted for a few minutes um just just to get a sense for story and to set up this interview a few days ago and Julio mentioned he's starting a podcast uh and it, what's I know it had search for meaning in it. What what's the tentative title, Julio?
1: It's called The Search for Meaning Podcast.
0: Yeah, The Search for Meaning. So I thought of this this famous book by Viktor Frankl um called Man's Search for Meaning about how he um, survived the concentration camps in Auschwitz. A very famous and incredible book. So I I mentioned that and uh, sent the rec to uh, to Julio. But Julio, I commend you for picking it up right away and uh, and digging in. It is a, a all time classic book. Very much so. Um. So getting back to the, <laughs> there, there's so much to follow up on from that story. It was amazing. Um. So the relationship. Um. You, your ex partner. I'm sorry that things didn't work out, and you had mentioned previously that chess played a role in uh, some of your relationships not working out. So this cheating incident was that connected to the uh, ultimate uh, demise of the relationship, or was that a different relationship?
1: No, that that didn't add to us breaking up. Um, we broke up because we just weren't compatible, not going forward. But we're still we're still friends anyway. So yeah, the cheating, the cheating. She owned up afterwards, and I had to look in myself, look at myself before i before I made any- situ- anything worse than what it was because with anger you know you can say things that are just not great at all so i took a look I took a real good look at myself in the mirror and worked on my anger issues from then on
0: so you mentioned journaling might have helped any other anything else that helped you that you felt like made you turn a corner in terms of like uh you know stopping the triggers for for when when you might lose your temper
1: yeah so philosophy uh, reading stoic philosophy really helped me in that sort of sense <laughs> um
0: any particular recommendations or
1: marcus aurelius that's like my, nice that's my yeah mike marcus aurelius meditations and um it just he highlights so much about the power of the mind and what you have and how you can control your rea- um, your response to any given situation. So, I started learning and practicing that, and it's, I'm still practicing it today. I'm still practicing it today.
0: Excellent. And so, let's talk a little about your your interests outside of chess, as as we mentioned before. They might be connected. So, um, to chess in some ways. Um, So I'd like to start with a question from a Patreon supporter of the podcast, recent sub Fletcher Ray. Fletcher, thank you so much for helping to support Perpetual Chess. Um, So... Fletcher writes, he, he writes, As someone who plays chess and also trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I certainly understand the many comparisons between the two. However, with jiu-jitsu, if you train consistently, it's pretty much accepted that one will keep improving over time. They say a black belt is simply a white belt that never quit. Chess, however, feels completely different. You can play and study for long periods of time, even years sometimes, without seeing much improvement in rating. What do you think is the difference?
1: Okay, so the difference Okay, this this is a very good question, right? Um, I think the difference to improving in jujitsu and not improving so much on chess would probably your would probably be your approach to to, to learning. So with jujitsu, like we've got space repetition as well in jujitsu, which helps with the w- with learning, as well. Now we've got space repetition on chessable, like to, to to learn how to play to you know to learn the patterns to so that we can improve. But if you're not improving as much in chess, then you, there's a problem in 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 your in your approach to learning. Maybe you're not maybe 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 you're not doing repetitive training um, techniques like like spaced repetition looking over the same information um over and over again until it gets ingrained just like the woodpecker method like the woodpecker method it's absolutely magical how how it helps you improve um so when I when I when I'm doing jiu jitsu when I'm training jiu jitsu the gym that I resonate with their philosophy and approach to training, which I resonate a lot with, they use spaced repetition for you to improve. So they will isolate a position and you will drill that position until it you know until it becomes like second nature to yourself, until you can do it with, with your eyes closed. So if you can use that approach in chess, you will always improve. Um, people talk about not been able to improve as an adult learner like it's it's really hard to improve as an as an adult learner. Maybe as an adult, this is my my point of view. I think we've got too many bias biases in our heads that that will hinder you know we are self we limit ourselves through our limiting beliefs of of our values and our our perspective and approach to things. so yes as an adult, you may hinder your own learning progress based on on how you are as a person but if you can be open to the fact that okay i'm an adult but if i'm going to come to your class i have to throw away all what i've known i've just leave it at the door or leave what i know at the door and come in with an open mind open mindset and i think you you learn you'll be able to absorb more if you come in with that sort of a mindset because I think we can we can we can always keep on improving. Even when you get to a, a really like an older age, like I've seen with like older grandmasters, you know, they've still got the capacity to learn and you know, your brain is a muscle. So the more you keep training it, the, the more you'll you'll have that muscle remember that muscle memory and you know, you'll be able to notice uh, uh, patterns, recognize patterns a lot quicker. So again, it's about the consistency of how you're training in chess for you to be able to see an improvement. And again, you have to find out your learning style and what works for you, because everybody, everybody learns differently, and you just got to find what works for you. It's trial and error. So what worked for me was analyzing um master games and doing tactics training i never really worked on the opening much the only work i've done on the openings in chess is understanding the principles of the opening like bring your pieces out at least move you bring your pieces develop your pieces at least move them once in the in the development stage get your king to safety control the center and and then there's the middle game principles and so on. So the the opening principles that that's all I, that's all I learned about openings. I never really used to pick an opening and learn the theory because then it's again memorization. I think it's good to learn a concept of something, and then you can once you understand the concept of a of a, of a principle, you can you can then use that in different positions and you can be creative with it rather than memorizing moves of a certain opening so yeah what worked for me was um um, analyzing master games and and doing tactics and end game theory is is something that should never be left because for me that's where the beauty and the romanticism of chess is you know the end game when there's hardly any pieces on the board and it seems so simple, but it's so complex. It's like a whole different ocean altogether, of of things that could happen. So it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful.
0: That, that's very poetic. I I really enjoyed that. But I have to say, Julio, like the fact of the matter is, like people do do hit plateaus in chess. Um, I, now I don't know as much about uh, jujitsu and MMA, but just sort of thinking about it from the outside, um, my, my guess is cause I, I appreciate that you've had great progress, but obviously I know I've talked to a lot of people, myself included who eventually they just hit a plateau and it might be a conscious decision at some point where like, maybe I could get better, but maybe I would have to spend, you know, 15, 20 hours a week for marginal improvement. And it just becomes not the, not the best, uh, decision for how to spend, uh, the limited time that we have in life. But with jujitsu, my impression, thinking about it again, from the outside looking in is I, I really like what you said about space repetition of certain moves and sort of drilling certain micro skills. But in chess, I I worry that the sheer quantity of micro skills might be much greater than the things that you might drill physically in jujitsu. As someone who knows more about it than me, do you do you think that's fair or no?
1: Yes that is a very fair point and um, the, again there's a huge difference compared to hitting a plateau in jiu-jitsu and then hitting a plateau in, in in chess so in jiu-jitsu if you if you do hit a plateau it's you can actually go back to the drawing board and think and 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 you know reflect reassess um what's your physical appearance like what's your you know what's your body like are you recovering well are you resting well maybe you need a bit of rest maybe you need a bit of time off in order to come back and get past that plateau but with chess when you hit a plateau there could be so many variable factors that could come into play uh like for instance your frame of mind like what's going on outside of chess why are you hitting that plateau so there could be many variables that could contribute to to an adult hitting a plateau in in their chess learning there could be so many There's, it. it's so complex um trying to find out why you've hit a plateau in chess compared to jiu-jitsu in jiu-jitsu it's more it's more narrowed down you can kind of if with with good reflection proper reflection you can pinpoint why uh, your progress has slightly been hindered, or you why you've hit a plateau? But again, with chess, okay. there's just too many variables to kind of pinpoint um, why you've hit that plateau. And again, the um, when you were interviewing Abu Manumishra, Abu
0: mm, Abi ah, Manu, yeah, yeah, okay, tough name, yeah,
1: yeah. So he did mention if you hit a plateau or something's not right it's mainly down to a skill set when, right. when it when it comes to chess
0: yeah so certainly this this ties in with the general advice that's given that i quote peter genatos in my book like when you're at a plateau you've got to keep changing your approach like keep changing things until you try to uh see some progress but but um i do think that um, despite your optimism julio i still think that inherently there's there's something different about chess that that does uh, uh and again it could be the sheer number of skills um or it could be the the, the challenge in isolating the variables that actually impact performance um in terms of training mm. um, you know knowledge versus skills as as has been talked about many times we'll be right back with more chess and life wisdom from julio calcina And we are back, but we've got another, uh, MMA slash chess related question. So this is, um, from Richard Burgess and I'll read the whole message, but then you can, some of them we've touched on, already, on, on, already. So you can take this where you want, uh, after I read what Richard wrote. Thanks for helping to support perpetual chess, Richard. He writes Julio, thank you for sharing your inspiring story with us. And for your thoughts on chess, the connection between martial arts and chess is fascinating. Do you consider chess, so a few questions, do you consider chess a martial art in itself? He also wonders if you would speak to how to combine and balance your own martial arts training with chess. And he'd also be interested in whether you think martial arts schools should include chess training in their curriculum.
1: Okay, I may not remember all the questions. Um, What's the first question? I know I forgot the first question already.
0: The first one is okay. do you consider chess a martial art in itself?
1: Yes, I personally do. So my perspective on that would be yes, chess is psychological warfare. You it's a battle battle of the minds. Instead of battling physically, you you're actually using the muscle up in your head. So yes, in in all senses it could it be a martial art. Now that's a Hmm. Yeah. Again, maybe I take back my answer by saying yes, it is. Maybe it could. It's debatable whether it it could be um, a martial art. But in terms of um, skills that go towards a martial art, chess can give you skills that can help you in martial arts. That's that's for sure.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And how do you combine? So, Richard's second question How do you combine and balance your MMA training with chess?
1: How do I combine and balance? Okay, so the way I combine my chess with my, with jujitsu, again, it depends on your character and how you, how, how, how your, how your personality is as an individual on the mats doing jiu-jitsu and on the chessboard it's very relatable because on the chessboard I'll, i'll use myself as an example i love to play gambits i used i used to love open positions and just sacrificing material basically i'm just a big massive risk taker so that is can be um that is actually mirrored in the way in my jujitsu on the mats because I'm very I take bold risks. I give away bad positions like I'm throwing away pawns in a gambit, and <laughs> I get myself in sticky situations. But it's by choice because I know once I get into a bad position, I can reverse it. Not all the time, but psychologically, when a person is feels like he's winning and he's dominating. something happens psychologically in their brains they tend to relax a little bit and that's the time when I I can assert my dominance and reverse the situation and put him on his back Um, so a lot of psychology comes into play Um, especially on the board like I'll give away so many pieces and get myself in in crazy horrible positions but the way I navigate out of them like it baffles my opponents. Sometimes they call me a cheater. Uh, gosh, yeah, I've, I've been called a cheater so many times. But there's, there's no cheating there. So, yeah, psych- psychologically.
0: This is yeah. a cheater in jiu-jitsu? Or?
1: No, no, I was, I was on about chess, sorry. No, ah, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I you think, do, yeah,
1: You can get cheaters in jiu-jitsu. They call them sandbaggers.
0: Basically, yeah, that they have yeah. that in chess.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've got sandbaggers in chess. I've been called a sandbagger too, as well. <laughs> so, so many times. So, yeah, um, the way my ca- the way your character shows or your personality, your personality does get shown on on the board as well as well for me on the mats as well. So, me liking to play open positions, gambits, and taking risks, it's also evident the way i roll the way i hold myself as a person hence why i've been to prison long time ago and stuff like that because i i just take too many risks and my personality and my character is shown on the chessboard and it's shown on on, on the mats as well when i'm doing jujitsu but yeah psychologically i like to lead people into a false sense of security where they think that they'd Doing so amazing against me. And then before you know it, the tables have turned. Um, I can't remember which chess player said it. Uh, but he likes, from the opening, he likes to, in the middle game, he likes to create lots of chaos that where the only moves, responses the, the, the response to the chaos is so narrow that for you to find the right move is so slim so to navigate out of the chaos is what I, I strive for. Like, I love to, when I'm playing chess, I'll make an opening, but then I'll I'll, I'll make really um, moves that are not book moves. And it, it throws off my opponents. And the getting to a middle game, it's all chaos. It's just, there's so much going on, but I like to navigate through that chaos. There's some sort of order in the chaos. Even when I'm on the mats doing jujitsu, again, I'll put myself in bad situations, and my opponents think that, oh, they've got it, they've got the choke on. I like to, d- I know how to defend chokes. I like, obviously, I still get choked out, but there's some sort of euphoric feeling as well when you get, cho- when you get, when you need to get put to sleep, and they're like, I, I, kinda, I, I like that as well, which can sound a bit strange, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, The the quote you might be thinking of is uh, Mikhail Tal's uh, You must take your opponent into a deep, dark forest That's where two one. plus two equals five and the path leading out is only wide enough for one.
1: That's uh, the one.
0: W- one of the all-time chess quotes, mm. for sure. <laughs> um, all right, we have one more Patreon question uh, relating to uh, a different facet of your work. This one's from uh, Gerard T. Hart. Uh, Thanks for helping support Perpetual Chess, Gerard. He, he writes... I wonder what your advice is regarding exercise, especially weight training in chess. Is it better than ca- cardiovascular, or should a combination be recommended? He also notes that he thinks it's essential to promote chess for people suffering from mental health problems. Do you offer clients chess as well? Gerard writes, It helped me cope with ADHD. And uh, he's noticed that children with learning disabilities mm. also can benefit from chess.
1: Sorry, can you repeat the first part of the question please?
0: Sure. So the first part had to do with physical exercise. Okay. Like right. I, I
1: Right, let me let me carry on from there. I remember it now. So um I think it's very important to to do weights and cardio because I I'm definitely living proof. Uh, plus a lot of chess players will 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 back me up on this. But physical training Will increase your resilience to be able to endure really long games. Yeah. So, a, a mixture of uh, weights and cardio is definitely a must. Definitely a must. I know G Canty, um, he he does a lot of weights that works for him. But then again, we're, we're, you got to find what works for you as an individual because we're all slightly different We're you know we we're, we're, we're different the way we what makes us tick. We're all different. So you got to find what what works for yourself and um in terms of how chess can help people with mental health issues it it's a saving grace for like i would i would certainly say for myself i've i've, I've also suffered mental health issues but whether i knew it at the time i didn't know but you know my behaviors spoke out volumes but whether i had a you know the calmness and stillness in my mind to really stop and pay attention um yeah it was hard at the time but chess really does help with with people suffering with any sort of mental mental health issues because it you know focusing in on something really brings your mind back into the moment and it stops you from all the noise that's you know clouding your mind and clouding your judgment and you know people talk about meditation and when you meditate you're actually focusing on, on say one point or focusing on your breath so you're working on focus so playing chess can be a form of meditation because it's bringing you back into the moment when you have mental health issues depending on what it is your mind is 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 just full of it's full of clouded judgments and making you feel anxious about the future depressed about the past, but chess brings you right back into, into the moment right in the moment. So in terms of helping with, with any sort of mental issues, yes, it can definitely play a play a good part in, in, in your recovery in your healing. Um, so yeah, chess and, and exercise definitely go definitely go hand in hand because again, your body is a muscle. We you know your body's a vessel. You have to look after your body, and your mind is a muscle as well. It need it needs just as much training. So I've I've heard I can't remember where I, I heard this from, but I've heard that chess, you know, training your brain will decrease your chances of decrease your likelihood of getting you know, Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, so. There's a lot of benefits. And I would love to help in any sort of way um, for anyone. Like, it's helped me,
0: and I'd like to help and give back. That That's wonderful to hear. Julio, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to hear a bit more about what the chess culture was like in prison, just because I've gotten a few emails from people in the prisons I here in the US. I got to interview a guy named Tony Ballard a few years back who has yeah, an amazing story. Yeah, like, uh, awesome guy. Um, shout out to Tony. And But you, it's hard to get reports of like what you mentioned having a phone and getting to play online while you were hmm. in prison. But what was the actual like uh, playing against other players and the chess culture like uh, there?
1: Right. The, the, the chess culture in, in prison, I found it's... It's on par with the chess community outside. Um, if, if, if there's any difference that I could that I could mention about the different about the community of the chess community in prison and chess community outside, um, the chess communities in prison, they um, it brings everyone together um, in a sense that okay, in regards to, say, for example, you've got your mass murderers who've murdered so many people. And then <laughs> and then you've got somebody who's coming to prison for just like stealing in a shop or something. And these two types of people, they, they, they usually wouldn't cross paths in prison or even talk to each other. And you've got your introverted people that don't talk to anybody. And then you've got your extroverted, like gangster, big gangsters and stuff and how it brings people together it was it's, it's beautiful to what it's beautiful to witness because to see a, a big time gangster mass murderer you know giving help to somebody who's so introverted and this person who's introverted was so scared to go talk to this person or even just even a pro, or even to look at that person but now you've seen these two people are talking and you know the the exchange that's going on there is that the person, the introverted person, his confidence and self esteem actually grows so much because of that acceptance and that sense of belonging and being a part of a community where you're not getting judged for who you are as a person, but you're getting looked at for the skills that you bring to the table. And even if you're not bringing skills that are like like really amazing skills, people are happy are happy to help. You know it is there's a thing where people where they say men are scared to ask for help and stuff like that but pe- people are willing to give help and they're just waiting for you to ask for help and yeah so in terms of community wise and bringing people together like it's it was beautiful to witness and to see people growing as as individuals within themselves you know considering they're in such a bad place and you know, it's just demoralizing having your freedom taken away from you like that. But then seeing um, a positive benefit like that, and seeing somebody's face change and smile, and you see their face light up because of the the sheer excitement, uh, the the acceptance of being accepted into such a you know such a environment with people that wouldn't usually cross paths. So that's beautiful. And the chess community outside, like it you know back in the normal community not in prison you know again there's people that are just that just want to help each other and again the chess community outside is just involved a lot of alcohol gets involved
0: <laughs> in i think pri- in, uh, in in england in particular i feel like it's part of the culture drinking yeah, and chess
1: drinking and playing chess was like that's how i kind of like that was my introduction into the chess community like playing over the board chess and going to tournaments everybody would would just be drinking and i think i actually became borderline alcoholic from all this because i used to associate playing chess with drinking whiskey and just getting off my face and there was a time actually sorry to um, i'm gonna change this. this is a story worth telling but um, I was playing. I played at a, a chess congress, five games over three days in a place called Wakefield, and I lost all my games. I got an Audi, all zeros. So I lost all five <laughs> games, but it was okay. So the following weekend, I booked an, uh, another chess congress over fi- over three days again, and the person that I lost to the week before is really, you know. It's not great to judge, but I just thought I was going to beat him. And that was my fault as well. Like, I just thought, I'm going to beat this guy. It's going to be an easy game. But it turned out he absolutely beat me. And, like, it was it was an embarrassing loss. Anyway, the following weekend, I went to play at a different congress. Unfortunately, I had a bad toothache. And because I had a toothache, I lived in Manchester at the time so I was driving to Bradford for this chess congress I was so drunk throughout the whole chess congress because of this toothache that I had like it was so bad I was going down buying little bottles of vodka (laughs) like downing the bottle of vodka and going back to the board and playing games and I actually won four out of five games and I... I got to play this the guy. Uh, I've got to play the same guy that I lost to the week before, and I got to play him on uh, round five. And I said to myself, "I'm I'm gonna go." I didn't know who I was playing, but on the lunch break, I just told my friend, "Like I'm going in. I'm gonna win this game. I'm gonna play so aggressive." And which I did. I did play very aggressive. I won his queen by move eight, and I, there's a whole crowd of people gathered gathered around us because people were surprised that this person was losing. So yeah, I was lucky to win that game. But the main part of the story which I wanted to tell was based on alcohol, like, and I had a toothache because I was in a different town, different city altogether. I didn't want to drive all the way back to Manchester to drive back in the morning for, for, my, for, for my game of chess. So I asked a friend of mine if I could stay at their house. In fact, this was actually an ex-partner and um, because I had a toothache. Um, anyway, she said yeah. So I went round um, and she kicked me out within about an hour i didn't i was so drunk i completely forgot <laughs> and i completely lost consciousness that night and i woke up in the morning at my house in manchester so when she kicked me out i was so drunk i've obviously driven my car back to manchester I, no recollection whatsoever all I remember was waking up in the morning and I'm back at home with a bottle of wine at this bedside and I had about 45 minutes to get to to get to Bradford to play my next game so I woke up swigged that bottle of wine hit my my car straight to the congress and oh god yeah so alcohol and chess it's not really, a right, well, good I gotta say, well, Leo, I
0: don't approve of this drunk driving, that's uh, that's no, dangerous. I... We don't want you to end up back in jail, man.
1: Yeah, so so that was that was who I was back then, just a risk taker, and just didn't, yeah, I was just stupid. Like looking back, it was so stupid. So I'm very humbled with myself and grateful that I'm still here to tell the tale.
0: And then no one else got hurt along, yeah, along nobody the way. else got hurt along the way, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would never advise anyone to do such things like it was stupid from my part but we live to learn learn to live
0: we'll be right back with more chess and life wisdom from Julio Calcina and we are back and are you still playing OTB these days um, i haven't played OTB um
1: last year i played the year before i was i'm actually looking to start playing again this year um and try and get my rating to cross 2000 over the um my over the board rating so my current rating when i came out of prison i was about 1300 over the board my FIDE rating um and i did play a few tournaments oh, a few tournaments i played quite a few games and i got my rating up to 1882 FIDE.
0: that's awesome wow how strong were the like were you the strongest player in your prison or was there anyone that could beat you
1: Yeah I was I was the strongest where I was because you can't go to every part of the prison um I was I was the strongest on my wing on the cell block um I did come across a guy who actually beat me but then again this this again was You know when you underestimate your opponent and you think, oh, this is going to be easy, it's going to be a walkover, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot because you're not going to play your strongest moves compared to if I knew I was playing like a grandmaster or something, I would then, you know, consider, you know, take every move seriously. But, yeah, I underestimated my opponent once. I got beat. Then again, I had to look at my frame of mind when I went into the game and trying to see where i had weaknesses and what made me lose the game what was my what, my what 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 was my outlook towards the game that made me lose the game like i did and it turned out that um i used to underestimate my opponents so i'd just look at them size them up and think oh yeah i'll beat you you'll be easy but that's the wrong approach to have i think now nowadays when i'm playing against somebody i regardless of their rating or their 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 you know their skill, I will always take it seriously. Never underestimate anyone or anything.
0: That's another good like good chess advice, but good life mm. advice as well. Um, mm.
1: another thing that helped me is whilst playing chess is is to really be in the moment and enjoy the journey, enjoy the process rather than. The outcome. Because I found that myself when I found that when I used to think of an outcome when I used to think of the outcome, even during the during the game whilst I'm playing yesterday, or I did it, like you got to like midway through the game and I was thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna beat this guy. Like, no, that's removing me from the moment and enjoying the process, which now it removed me from that moment. Now I'm thinking of the outcome and which in because of that, it allowed me not to make the best decisions, the best moves. So again, it's just about adapting and just tweaking little things, especially if within your mind and your approach. And yeah.
0: I love it. Well, this has been amazing, Julio. Such a great story and it's inspiring how you've picked yourself up, improved your your life choices and improved your game immensely over the years as well. Um so I know you've got your hands in various content projects like what's what's next for you like what's a what are your 2024 priorities
1: 2024 is to um compete a lot more in chess um compete in jiu jitsu compete in jiu tournaments and um and, and and work on my podcast
0: Yeah so, so when is it launched yet
1: So it's launching end of January um, so yeah, the search for meaning it came about through my love for chess jiu jitsu and philosophy because there's a lot of um, a lot of things that you can learn in whatever field you're in that you can apply to life. So I'm just hearing how people hearing people's stories of how they've over how they've got to where they've got to and how they find purpose and meaning in their life.
0: Um, so it's gonna be an interview podcast.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interview po- podcast, so I'll be hosting it and um,
0: great. Well, I'll definitely, um, I'll, I'll put the link in when it's launched. But in the meantime, um, I know you've done some Twitch streaming here yeah. and there. Um, are, is that on the back burner for now or are you going to get back?
1: No, the, the chess, the streaming, I, it kind of slacked off a little bit. But I do tend to be streaming at least once a week, every Sunday, just uh, playing a friendly tournament with, with the friends of mine, friends from all around the world anyone can join in um, but yeah if anyone wants to uh, find me or message me anywhere um, you can catch me on Instagram which is Julio PDC I've got my Facebook as well which is Julio Calcina and my Twitch is Julio Calcina as well
0: okay and you've li- you got a Lee Chess too right I've got so- a Lee
1: Chess, Lee Chess and com. my handles are Calcina
0: Okay, so I'll li- I'll link to all that stuff so anyone doesn't have to chase it down. Just uh scroll down. By the way, I know that sometimes in Apple Podcasts, this is something for you to know for when your pod launches, Julio. Like I have these epic show descriptions with all these notes. Um, and most of the podcast apps will include all the notes, but okay. Apple Podcasts—they're like enough already. So at some point they just stop. Um, so if anyone's on Apple Podcasts and like the notes are cut off you can always go to the perpetual chess web page uh to get any links or to get like the contact info for someone like julio um that's uh the backup if you have any issues but julio been fantastic to hear your story um any uh, parting advice or goodbye messages uh for our listeners
1: uh, if i was to give anybody advice it's what advice would I give to myself master your emotions if you want to master your reality just short and sweet master your emotions if you want to master your reality if you want to live your best life you know learn to regulate your emotions and that's what's helped me in so in in a lot of things especially in chess you can't let your emotions take take over because that will just make you make bad decisions you master your emotions and
0: you'll master your reality love it i can't wait for your podcast man i'm excited to check it out oh, and thank uh, you ben and and uh thanks again for for joining us
1: thank you for having me thank you so much Podcast Network.